five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher. Before I introduce my guest, a word about the Canadian SmallSat Symposium. The symposium is being held in Toronto between February 13 to 15 and will bring together the Canadian and international small satellite community to discuss the ongoing revolution in satellites. Built on the successful first Canadian SmallSat Symposium in 2016, this year's symposium theme is Responsible Revolution. Hear from established companies who have pivoted part of their businesses to take advantage of the ongoing revolution, as well as new space companies, including my guest today, who are trying to disrupt traditional markets with new ideas and technologies. Visit smallsat.ca for more information and to register today. SpaceQ will be there. My guest this week is Pekka Larala. Chief Financial Officer and Co-Founder of IceEye. IceEye is a Finnish company with offices in Poland and the U.S. that bills itself as having the first synthetic aperture radar, or SAR, satellite in a microsatellite form weighing in at less than 100 kilograms. By comparison, the well-known Canadian Radar Sat 2 satellite weighs in at 2,200 kilograms, and the next-generation Radar Sat Constellation Mission satellites weigh in at 1,400 kilograms. Welcome, Pekka, to the SpaceQ podcast. Thanks. Could you provide a little background on the company, including why you chose to enter this area? Uh, sure. I mean, in a sort of big picture, uh, ISI's mission is really to, to enable everyone to make better decisions based on uh, timely and reliable data. And, uh, you know, it sounds like a very large mission. And uh, and then we, we really try to focus on the sort of timeliness and reliability, reliability of, of the data. And then this kind of, uh, you know, led us towards the, the, the instrument of choice now, now being the, the, the SAR as, as, as you uh, told in the intro, um, what led us to the, um, you know, using small, small sat SAR in, in, in the first place was really us being in Finland and kind of seeing that the, the Arctic maritime industry was, was really struggling with the sort of operational, um, data flow that, that, you know, they just simply couldn't operate safely or efficiently with the sort of existing revisit rates that you could get out of, uh, um, the SAR satellites or, you know, optical satellites for, for that matter in, in the Arctic seas. And that was something that, that we were just seeing, uh, kind of here locally, uh, with, with, with the local industry. And of course, ever since the, the, uh, scope has gotten wider and wider that, that when we realized that like we can actually do this to create a, uh, sort of global high revisit constellation, then, then of course, you know, a lot of other use cases popped in as well. So can you describe the services you are and will be offering? Sure. Um, we are offering first, uh, something that we call imaging services. So essentially, uh, request based, uh, you know, tasked SAR imaging and, uh, the, the SAR instrument is in expand. So it's, you know, comparable to, you know, some other, uh, existing satellites. Now the difference that we can provide in, in sort of imaging services side is that we can provide 
either very rapid response, uh, talking about uh, hours in reaction anywhere on the globe, or then very frequent revisits, uh, again, talking about the sort of hour timescale rather than days timescale. And then, uh, I guess, thirdly, a bit less intuitively, we can offer relatively large areas, kind of comparatively large areas uh, in, in, in high resolution by, by mosaicing out of uh, out, out of this this large capacity that gets cre created by the uh, by the constellation and now then uh, the sort of like a second field of uh, products that we, we we will be providing is is you know what we broadly refer to as information services uh, this being the the sort of um, you know, services where we are abstracting the SAR data out of the equation and really uh, applying analytics in, into solving, you know, particular customer vertical problems. And, and then, you know, trying to reach a more scalable market with, with products that uh, will, can be used to solve problems that, that, that the customers might not have previously uh, known that they could use SAR data to solve these problems. Okay. Now, um I noticed that uh, on your website and through some of your talks, you talked about different phases uh, of the company as you go forward. Your phase one operations included aerial uh, SAR imaging. Um, mm -hmm. What was the purpose of, of that campaign? Um, no, first of all, what we see as a kind of our development philosophy is that we really view our kind of development as sort of like a agile hardware development. Uh, meaning that everything we do, we try to take it into the first prototype as, as soon as possible, just so that like we can get to the sort of operational testing of instrument. And, and then secondly, of course, the operational testing of the data towards the use case that we're going for. Uh, so, so the aerial instrument was, you know, first of all, this, that, that we would take every single version of the instrument on a sort of a monthly basis into an aircraft, generate data, and uh, essentially kind of uh, build the full chain of operations, uh, you know, from ground up by, you know, one, one iteration at a time. And then secondly, we would go ahead and, and do aerial demonstration campaigns towards our future customers that, that might be uh, contemplating on, on getting uh, services from, from this, um, you know, future high revisit uh, constellation to really showcase that uh, how does uh, data that revisits, say, every hour or even, even even more often kind of help in in operations and what type of information you can really derive out of this type of data. So related to your aerial imaging services, you won a U.S. government defense contract last fall with the Defense uh, Innovation Unit Experimental, which will see them purchase your airborne Earth observation data support services from your U.S. subsidiary ICE-IUS. How important was that to your business? Oh, it's it's a uh, it's an uh, I mean, in general, U.S. Uh, U.S. defense is an important customer. Uh, if you consider Earth observation in a sort of broad field, it's uh, you know relatively widely known that they are the biggest single customer. So obviously, for us to you know be able to show that uh, our services are unique and in in, de in demand in, in in that field as well, is is of course something that is you know hugely important to us as a sort of early demonstration, and uh, and and then. You know, from from there on, uh, it's um, you know this is in a way the the, the first deal, and uh, and then you know we're you know building on top of this in a very same sense as I was describing the sort of uh, you know the phases that we are going through. 
with every single customer, you know, you start with demonstrating with the things you have and then, then building on top of that. And do you plan on continuing with your aerial program in the longer term? Yeah, there are there are areas where you can still provide uh, better value by by doing aerial imaging. In general, um, in terms of just square kilometers covered, uh, aerial imaging generally ends up being more expensive to do. But but then again, it will be very hard to reach say ten minute revisit rates uh, on a on a given area. Uh, without an, an aerial platform, uh, so so that there are use cases where we have been able to to kind of create a system that that we see very competitive, uh, you know, against uh, against kind of satellite solutions or against you know the existing aerial solutions as well. So would that include, you know, once you're you've got a full constellation up, you've got uh, a customer who comes to you and says, "I just saw this. Can you do an aerial revisit?" Um, it could, it could, we were trying to be, we're trying to be very flexible. And then of course, you know, the fact that we have a system that we can, uh, operate from multitude of, 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 of platforms really enables us to be, uh, flexible, I guess on the aerial side, I mean, it's, it's fair to say that like they are more kind of project-based type of things that we're doing there. Uh, and, and then in the satellite side, we are really trying to create a very sort of standard product that is, is able to respond anywhere on the globe very, very rapidly. Can you give me a little more detail on your ICE-X1 satellite and also your relationship with York Space Systems? The, the ICE-X1 that that we now launched is is uh, as a spacecraft the, the bus and and the payload are, are you know fully ours uh the the, the first uh you know s class uh mission where we are collaborating with york is is to be launched in the uh, harbinger mission uh later on um uh and um now then yeah so the launch mass for for this one was was you know around 70 kilograms uh and uh it really you know serves as as, as the the first demonstration of, of of us being able to say that we can do the entire chain from developing the instrument uh, through building a satellite uh, through launching it and operating it and uh, then you know running a you know data processing and delivery chain towards the customer so uh and you know, obviously at the same time, you know, producing SAR imagery, but what really what we wanted to do with the very first satellite was to really demonstrate that like all the pieces of the, you know, chain of technology, uh, you know, work. And then now I, I think we've got to that point right now. So uh, there isn't too much information out there on your actual SAR technology, and you are trying to accomplish something on a very small satellite. So what compromises, if any, did you make to fit the technology onto such a small platform? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have to say that it wasn't the, it wasn't the easiest challenge we picked to, to, to build a SAR instrument into a, in, into a microsatellite. Uh, and we kind of knew that from the get-go. And, uh, you know, we got a fair bit of uh, uh, warnings that guys that has probably impossible uh no i mean now having gotten the first images down and processed them into an image you know clearly it is possible uh and then we got so far 
Um, so what compromises we made, I, I guess, you know, one of the most important one that, that, you know, really gets us to the Microsoft uh, category that or enables it is, is really kind of thinking of the, the duty cycle a bit differently that ultimately when we are trying to build a system that, um, that, that serves the, the frequent revisits, uh, we are, uh, bringing the, the kind of orbital duty cycle of the instrument usage uh, a lot lower than, than, than a large satellite would, which is, you know, very, uh, I mean, it's very well understandable because, you know, a small satellite just simply cannot even have a, um, you know, large enough of a solar cell, solar array area to, to, to support kind of continuous operations at, at, you know, relatively high powers, which are needed for, for, for SAR operation. And uh, if you can, how does the platform compare to, say, something like uh, the next generation RadarSat Constellation uh, mission satellites? Um, so I guess generally when we are talking about uh, what's kind of referred as new space and then what's referred to whichever word you pick, uh, the, the, you know, existing aerospace, uh, players, uh, there, there is, um, um, there, there is, um, kind of a difference between the, the sort of design philosophy in a way that, that, that a lot of the things being done with the new space players like us or, or planet or, or companies like this, it really comes down to the fact that the company in a way designs the satellite for their own operations. And uh, that enables, uh, you know, us or any other new space player really to kind of like use in the satellite bus, you know, technologies that essentially are um, off the shelf, uh, say from automotive industry or from mobile industry, so that the choices that we make in the electronics and then to some extent the choices we make in the mechanics are kind of coming from a different direction and, uh, and then, you know, enable or like, you know, um, use slightly different philosophies and, uh, both of them are, are, are well suited for, for the purposes that, that, you know, they're built. Um, but, but I, I guess, you know, this would on a sort of very big, uh, or kind of a big picture be, 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 be the difference. So uh, what's your target market for, for your first satellite and, and your constellation as you build it out? Um, we are starting with the maritime industry is, is probably the, the one that, um, you know, like, uh, we, we started with as, as, um, as, as an in initial use case, uh, uh, we're talking about in, in the Arctic, we're talking about sea ice for, for the operational use, the other kind of maritime related use cases that, that, uh, benefit a lot from high revisit, uh, rates or frequent, uh, frequent revisits is, is, is the, um, uh, monitoring for illegal fishing, for instance, or, or monitoring for oil spills, uh, or in some cases say search and rescue and, and, and so forth. Um, and, and then from there on, uh, the use cases around insurance industry, use cases around finance industry, these are probably the next ones where we are going, go, going to explore. And who would you say your main competitors are, or do you have any at this stage? I couldn't really, couldn't really uh, comment on, on that, that, that too much. Uh, we are really, you know, we are really the first player in in in, in this field in a, in a way being able to create uh, a um, reliable 
frequent revisits for for the entire in the entire globe now based on the SAR instrument. So so uh, I mean certainly any market where where you create a solution competition will eventually come. So so uh, you know that's that's of course a challenge for us to be aggressive enough to to go ahead and also take the entire market that we're creating over here. Now, obviously, you're going to be focusing on on the SAR side of the equation for the considerable. Uh, future. Uh, but are you considering adding optical satellites to your constellation to complement the SAR satellites in the future? I mean, generally, there is some ob- kind of obvious complementarity between uh, optical instruments and, and NSR instruments. And uh, and then we are uh, in a lot of the services that, that or, or in a lot of the use cases that we see ourselves serving, uh, optical is, is a key component as well. And uh, Right now, uh, a lot of those, you know, can be served with uh, existing free sources from, for instance, from the Copernicus program, which is, uh, you know, providing, you know, very good data for 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 this type of a for this type of a use. So, so uh, we are certainly trying to incorporate optical into our services on a on a on a broad picture. Whether we would be launching our own instruments, I mean, the time will tell. But of course, generally, you know, you, you can say that where we have built out built our unique IP and competence is to be, you know, the the, the best player in the world to to create these instruments that are SAR fitting in a microsatellite, which you know no one else has done as of yet. So so uh, you know, it's, it's fair to say that we've spent a fair bit of time on that, and uh, we haven't necessarily been spending a, you know a fair bit of time on on the others. So so uh, you know if if we're thinking to to keep creating uh, the instruments in the area where we are best, then then uh, SAR is right now the the, the way to go. So um, I read that you're planning on launching two more satellites to go with in this initial phase two to give you three satellites in your, your, your initial constellation. Uh, are they built and, and, and ready for flight? So the second satellite that we're launching, we'll call that X2, uh, is, is, on the, um, is on the SSOA launch in, um, in, in summer of this year. Uh, that's something that, that we've, we've come out with a press release and, um, and then, um, then, then there will be one more launch still, uh, within this year. So, uh, we are, we are moving forward to, to, to getting those launched and then, you know, those dates, you know, we, we have dates. Uh, so as far as, as, as far as the space industry and then launch dates are, are fixed in this world, then, then, uh, we will be on time to launch those. Yeah. <laughs> launch dates, uh, <laughs> very much a movable target. Yeah. Um, uh, which of course brings uh, a totally different question, which is of course uh, uh, launch providers uh, and the fact that there are more companies catering to launch providers. Am I correct in reading somewhere that you had uh, signed a contract with Vector Space Systems for future launch uh, launches? Uh, yeah, you're, you're you're correct that that we are uh, envisioning to to launch with Vector. Um, and and we are very much you know rooting for the the small launcher industry to to get up and started uh, because clearly if we're intending to launch tens of satellites with uh, with with small rockets you know you can get them to where you really want you know for for the day one and with with large rockets you know you have to do quite a lot of maneuvering to to kind of like uh, set up the constellation if you're launching you know, say five to 10 satellites at a time. I mean, it's certainly possible as well. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, just given again, the sort of like, uh, 
you know the the space industry and launch dates and so forth the the um we are working with a lot of launch strategies that enable us to you know keep our own on schedule come what may so you're you're obviously going to look at other launch providers and of course rocket lab just had uh, uh, an incredible success on their second launch um with respect to vector um what kind of time frame are you hoping to be able to get something launched with them do you have any idea at this point uh so I mean I, I think Vector is the better person to 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 comment on 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 their schedule. But generally, you know, we are very happy to see you know uh, our satellites you know fly on the first rockets. Okay, so um, with respect to the to the first three satellites, are they all identical, or did you make some incremental changes to the second one and some other changes to the third one? You know, because are they all the same? They're not the same at all. It's it's uh, this is very much part of the sort of agile development uh, strategy. So so that uh, we are we we are uh, now taking the lessons learned and, and 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 you know both you know technology data quality, but also you know sort of like operations setup that that, that you know what sort of. Um, well, what sort of uh, you know piece, pieces we should still include in in the next satellites? You know, just based on even the customer feedback on on how things work for the customers, um, and uh, and generally, you know, our timelines in in terms of uh, satellite design, manufacture, launch, are considerably shorter than in the sort of. Uh, established space industry is, is used to so so in that sense we can really support a sort of cadence where say every six months you know we would launch essentially a completely different design um i read your planning on equipping the satellites with a laser communication system for fast downline downlink speeds uh is the first satellite or the first three satellites equipped with this laser system uh we are hoping to demonstrate laser downlink uh, as uh, among a few other kind of uh, new technologies with, within these these uh, first three satellites. This is really what the first three satellites are for, that, that we are demonstrating a, a variety of, of, of uh, you know, new ways to, to operate them as well. And uh, now then, you know, whether all, all of the systems or some of the systems make it into whether it's the second or the third satellite, uh, that, that's still a bit up in the air and then really again comes down to the, actually the launch dates so so which uh, which systems make sense for us to to include in which ones but uh, you know definitely the laser downlink is an exciting technology from the perspective that then it allows us to work in a few different modes in a way that like you can have this uh, sort of a you know weather dependent low-cost backhaul for large archive collections while you're still obviously depending on the on the RF downlink for for the for for the quick response um, but you know that's that and you know some of the others like the the kind of um, space-to-space communications I mean these are the sort of new types of technologies that really are bringing you know a lot uh, more uh, kind of opportunities to the sort of timeliness uh, of, of, of the data that it really is something that we're going for. And um, getting back to the, the original three, um, you are actually uh, will have built the, the first three yourself. You haven't outsourced that um, like you will future ones. Is that correct? 
Um, I mean, yes, yes, and no. So, so uh, I mean, the first three are also meant for 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 uh, you know doing a bit of trials on on that side. So, so uh, uh, some of the assembly testing integration phases, we are trying to kind of gradually uh, also try different parties um, on 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 the sort of outsourced uh, side. And it is really you know a question of, of of how do we want to scale our own operations that. In the small satellite industry, uh, for many players, uh, it, it has turned out like this: that, that that even if the kind of subsystems would be almost off the shelf, then it turns out that they aren't. Uh, so, so that like a lot of a uh, lot of companies like us, you know, have ended up having to do a lot of the systems ultimately in house just to be able to keep kind of control of the timeline, so to speak, that, that if you are marching towards a launch date that is relatively fixed, then, uh, you know, putting a lot of uh, a lot of um, kind of a trust on, on a certain, you know, subcontractor delivering on time is it something that you know we cannot necessarily afford so so these are the type of trials that, that now within the first satellites we, we we get to do and, and then we're really trying to come up with a sort of a design that is designed for for a, you know as quick and efficient uh manufacturing uh, for for the for for the kind of constellation satellites and certainly even within the constellation satellites there will be changes in the design as we go and that's really the whole point of of, of kind of uh, the, the new space uh satellites and then operations and launches and um are the the satellites uh, X two and X three? I suppose, are they the uh, same uh, form factor size as the first one? Yeah, we're talking very similar sizes. That we're st- uh, sticking to the microsatellite uh, uh, microsatellite category. So, so uh, I mean, we'll probably never get into the sort of containerized uh, size, and then we're pretty happy in in in, in this category. And uh, and it seems that like it, it works well for the small rockets. It's work. It works well for the ride shares. So uh, yeah, we're pretty happy with this this size category. I guess you know uh, in in the uh, you know importantly you know what we are changing within this series already is is that we are able to get to the you know higher resolutions than than what we are doing right now with X1 and uh, and then trying to kind of squeeze as much. Uh, performance out of the the roughly the the same category of of, of uh, size and mass as, as we can, and um, you will then most likely stick below the one hundred kilogram size as you go forward and and build out the future ones. I mean that's uh, you know sticking to that category is, is something that right now we've just found to be the sort of most. Uh, efficient place to be in terms of mass and volume by wise uh, and you know again of course things may change we might find that like uh, you know building bigger satellites makes more sense but right now that that's certainly the the uh the, the first constellation is is going to be based on on this kind of microsatellite design now, one of the advantages of having uh, these new design techniques, this agile development, um, and, and working in such a small form factor compared to the traditional satellite sizes is the time it takes to actually manufacture uh, the satellite and, 
part. Uh, what do you think would be a goal for you to be able to turn around from the beginning to when the satellite is ready uh, to, to, to put it into production? Six months? Is, is that reasonable or less? I mean, less has to be reasonable in in a way. I mean, of course, it always depends on what do we consider being the beginning and what. Do, I mean, the, the end is easy to consider. It's uh, it's it's not being launched, but but the uh, but but the beginning in a way that like what sort of a design phase like, and that's probably been one of the of course the challenges in the sort of established space industry that if you always begin on a sort of project based you know from zero you have no designs to begin with then you know that's bound to give you a very very long kind of project timelines uh now in our case you know if we're talking manufacturing these in 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 kind of series you know it has to be you know down to just a couple of months for 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 the whole thing to make sense okay and what is the lifespan of one of your satellites uh, we've usually, you know, referred to the lifespan being similar as, as, as your iPhones is that, that that generally when we are working with uh, electronics that that, that is, is is you know off the shelf so to speak, uh, it's um, th- there are two things that go into it. You know, first of all, um, you know, eventually, you know, it wears down. It's either you know radiation, temperature, wear related. Uh, things, but secondly, also it gets old. It's it's like uh, within three years there will be, you know, computational power will be vastly better. Uh, you know, battery efficiency will be vastly better. So it, uh, you know, kind of business model wise, actually makes a lot of sense for us to just keep on developing and then launching new satellites within a relatively tight cadence, uh, where where the the old ones. Uh, you know, regardless of if they work or not, kind of become obsolete. And because this is such a big issue these days, especially um, there are some within the industry who complain about small satellites, uh, and I'm talking about uh, debris mitigation, deorbiting the satellites. What's your plan for uh, being able to deal with a satellite that stops being uh, useful, it's time to be taken out and um, replaced? Um, how are you dealing with, with that issue? No, it's certainly a very important issue. It's, it's something that, that we see, uh, you know, the small satellite industry circles are, are quite small and uh, we certainly all share the very same uh, kind of gravity of, of the issue that like uh, that, that it might not be an issue right now in a way that there's still a lot of space. But but uh, eventually, you know, talking 10 years forward, there certainly will be trouble if, if, if we don't take you know, the, the whole, whole, whole story seriously. And, um, I guess, you know, talking specifically about our own, um, our, our own constellation, uh, you know, importantly, we will be flying so low that the sort of, uh, non-propulsive, uh, lifetime of, of the orbit is, you know, in, in the order of months. So, so, uh, it, it, it generally won't be, won't be that much of a sort of a debris issue, uh, in in the long run, uh, just because we want to run the radar as close to the ground, and uh, and then we're essentially trying to you know fly as slow as 400 kilometers in in the sort of constellation configuration. So you don't have a propulsive deorbit option at this point. 
Uh, no, it's just rather rather the opposite uh, that we have a propulsive uh, or, or orbit keeping option, and, and then as soon as we don't, you know, do maneuvers, then 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 it's uh, it's just definitely less than a year of a lifetime on orbit. Okay. Um, how many satellites are you planning on uh, putting into your constellation? Uh, it's a, of course, a bit of a moving target, but right now the the baseline that, that we are talking about when when we first out, first set out to to do this um, sort of a global uh, frequent revisit type of a service, we we set a target of doing three hours as 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 the sort of like a, you know goal to 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 be useful for for a, a variety of different operations. You know, it could have been. Uh, the, the you know shipping operations in 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 uh, ice or monitoring port traffic you know day and night or, or things like this so to get to this mark uh, at at that uh, around three hours uh, on on average we were talking about 18 satellites in, in the constellation and how soon would you hope to have all 18 in orbit I mean, realistic is is to expect all of them to fly still before twenty and end of twenty twenty. End of twenty twenty, and um, if you can, uh, can you tell our listeners approximately what each of your satellite costs to build? No, I mean it will have to be very approximate. Where we're talking about single millions in 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 the sort of total cost per satellite, and and that's an important number to understand because um, and I've alluded to this before, you know, uh, you have the ability to build them. It appears to build them sub one hundred uh, kilograms. Uh, the ability to build them uh, in terms of months as opposed to years. Um, I give the example of the RadarSat Constellation mission, which is the Canadian next generation SAR constellation, which is a very different uh, type of mission to start with. I mean, these are satellites that are larger, 1,400 kilograms. Um, But the cost of building those three satellites and the, um, which includes the launch is over a billion dollars Canadian. Uh, and will uh, have taken over 10 years uh, to get done. So um, <clears throat> based on uh, what I've read on your website, you've received about $17 million uh, in terms of funding so far. That's only going to take you so far. Uh, are you actively pursuing a next round of uh, funding? And how much more funding do you think you'll need to actually build out that 18 satellite uh, constellation? Right. Yeah. I mean, if I you know start rolling back with the question, I mean, I guess it's important to to mention that in, indeed the uh, sort of uh, governmental missions and then you know commercial missions are, especially the commercial new space missions, they are you know different. Uh, in 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 all of of I mean, always like different in very many aspects, and uh, we are definitely not trying to say that the sort of established uh, sort of uh, players are are doing anything wrong. It's that these these two types of uh, missions are sort of very complementary to to each other, and uh, you know now to the sort of you know whether we are raising financing or not. In a way, you know, a startup company kind of always is. <laughs> so 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 um, you know if if uh, 
you want to hand us over some money, we're, we're, we're uh, you know, glad to take it. Um, well, that'll but, depend but, on the product. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's I guess, how it goes. Um, but, 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 yeah, so, so uh, generally, I, I guess, you know, what we can say is, is, is that, uh, um, you know, if, if we are looking at orders of magnitude, you know, lower uh, in, in cost per, per, per satellite, then, 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 you know, getting to getting to the sort of 20 satellite constellation is, is or 18 satellite constellation is, is something that we can reach within kind of commercially uh, reachable budgets that, that, you know, we wouldn't be, you know, any different in kind of financing need than, than a sort of a you know, a story of a, you know, large internet company or something like this that, that, that you are going to do a few financing round more to, to kind of like really accelerate to, 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 uh, you know, capture the entire market. But, but, uh, it is nothing that sort of like a normal set of, uh, say, you know, Silicon Valley or other international investors, you know, couldn't do in a sort of like high tech space. And are you considering at some point going public? I mean, I guess any startup again is is considering going public uh, because you know that's of course one of of the of, of the strategies to to grow forward. But uh, you know I I suppose that you know right now there is still a business to be built for us. Okay, uh, my last question, um, a little bit different. Um, what does this? What does your company mean, and what you you know your 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 success of getting your satellite in orbit and and doing something that that uh, hasn't really been done before in such a small platform? What, what does this mean, if anything, for for Finland and and the space sector in Finland? Right, it's uh, there has always been a space sector in Finland. Uh, if you know the the sort of high tech instrumentation for for a lot of. Uh, uh, ESA or, or NASA missions, I mean, all the way to all the way to the Mars rovers has come from Finland historically. And uh, there's a you know strong software industry, you know, doing you know uh, onboard computer software for for missions in in the sort of interplanetary scale as as well. Uh, I guess you know, obviously, we are the first player that has you know built and launched and is operating a commercial satellite from Finland. So. I would say, you know, even as a sort of a Finnish humble person, that is quite a big deal. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's, it is very nice to see, you know, the, the field field growing. And we have obviously been able to recruit also a lot of international people so that our team is, is uh, you know, the, the best in the world. And then we have certainly not limited ourselves, you know, recruiting only on, on only just in, in Finland. And in Finland as a sort of a, Kind of society and environment is is a great uh, place to build this type of teams. So so uh, that's what we see as a sort of like a why why we see Finland is a very good place to kind of uh, you know grow a team like this, and that's why we see that it's a good place to also uh, see this type of an ecosystem growing around uh, new space industry as well. Um, and recently, the uh, Finland just uh, enacted its first space legislation. Um, did that have anything to do with what you guys did or was that just a coincidence that it happened at the same time? 
I mean, partially it's a coincidence that, you know, that it happened to be signed as a law the same day that we launched, uh, but, but uh, we got our launch, you know, launched before the law. So, so uh, they satellite, this is a lawless one, but, uh, but, 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 but from, from here on out, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's a very, it, it's another, you know, of course, a key stepping stone towards, you know, actual commercial satellite operators, uh, you know, operating, you know, from Finland uh, and then operating satellites under the Finnish flag uh, that, 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 you know, it was missing until now. Now it is there. Uh, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good piece to have. Uh, but of course, you know, the law by itself, you know, doesn't, you know, enable or, or, or disable uh, any, any, any businesses being, being done, but, but, uh, you know, as, as any other, you know, piece of uh, legislation, it's, uh, you know, good to have kind of, a, um, you know, rules set out so, so that then you have some predictability uh, for, for your business. All right. Well, I want to thank Pekka for being my guest on the SpaceQ podcast today. Uh, as your company develops, uh, I hope we'll get uh, you on, the, on a future show. All right. Thanks a lot. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of the SpaceQ podcast. If you have comments on this episode, you can email me at podcast at spaceq.ca or you can post them on our website at spaceq.ca where you'll find an archive of each episode. You can also find SpaceQ on Twitter at Canada in Space and we post all our articles and podcasts to Facebook at the SpaceQ and don't forget to like us on Facebook. I'm also on LinkedIn at Mark K. Boucher. And if we're connected, you'll get SpaceQ articles and the podcast notification in your newsfeed. If you like the show, please subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app. If you use iTunes, please consider rating the show and writing a review if you're so inclined. <laughs> <laughs>